you grow through the experience and it's not to say that I'm never going to have trust issues, but I, I'm still going to always do whatever I can to choose trust because you can't hold someone hostage for somebody else's actions. And it, it, I think that it's all part of the learning experience that to, in order to come out of it and heal from it and grow from it, you have to make those choices. What do you want your life to look like? And I never want to be that partner who is incredibly uh, distrustful of the person that I'm with. That, that's not that's not who I am at my core, and I'm not going to allow that to turn into who I become. Well, we choose purpose. Like as human beings, we we have the emotional intelligence to be able to find purpose in basically shitty circumstances. And and purpose doesn't just appear; it's what we make of it. It's what we it's what we create of circumstances. So I, I think that finding that degree of purpose in whatever situation you're dealing with that is creating some really difficult circumstances right now is kind of a really big step in coming through it in one piece on the other side. If, if you can't find that purpose piece, it makes it much harder to try and feel your way around in the dark when there is no rule book attached to how to handle these types of situations. That's Emily Goff, and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast, where I bring to you some of the most amazing and inspiring people throughout the world who have been through difficult times. And now they're sharing with you what their story is, what they've learned from it, and how you can take that inspiration into your own life. And today's guest is no different. This is Emily Goff. Emily is a podcaster and a podcasting coach. She has a show called Room to Grow that she does out of her current location in Bali. And I am very jealous of that. And we talk about the awkwardness of me saying that on the back of hearing her story and not connecting that I was specifically talking about Bali because her story is really rough and Bali is really awesome. So two completely different ends of the spectrum, but that's what this whole journey is about, right? So she goes through a very difficult breakup on the back of learning that her longtime boyfriend who she was living with um, was still seeing his ex-girlfriend who lived, well, look, it's, it's a lot to take in. It's pretty stunning. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to give all that away. So I'll let her tell that story. But quite a shock, quite an upheaval in her life. And on the back of that relationship ending, she has taken off from Canada to Bali, building a totally different life. I mean, she was doing a lot of the professional things already, um, but she has found a freedom, a removal of anxiety a peace that she's never had before. And I've talked to her a couple times and find her just to be super energized and inspiring and driven. Um, and you can feel where that freedom really allows the real her to come out. So really just cool person, cool conversation. And let's jump right into it so you can hear this unreal, really, uh, story of what Emily went through, but more importantly, what she's built on the back of that through her learning. Emily Goff, thanks for joining me on the show today. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm, I'm seriously so honored and just incredibly grateful to, uh, to have the chance to chat. So I'm excited. Wow. <laughs> I kind of want to go out on a Costanza high note. Like that was really nice. Let's just end the show. And, uh, (laughs) wow. Thank you. So no one knows, like we've been laughing for, we're 11 minutes and 12 seconds into recording this. (laughs) Um, there's a lot of ridiculousness already. And I've already managed to make fun of you multiple times, which I think you, you are very appreciative of. So yeah, we're, we're on a good track so far. (laughs) Yeah. I'm editing that out. So no one even knows about that. There's no evidence whatsoever. Um, and I wasn't self-deprecating, which is important because I, I talk against that. Um, so back to you, um, <laughs> Emily, uh, other than spending your time ripping on me, what, what do you do with yourself today? And I know it may not be where you are permanently, but where you are right now is a big part of that story, or at least my jealousy of this current moment. And we can make fun of me on the rest of the jealousy thing later, but give us a little lowdown on <laughs> what you're doing right now. Well, I, I am Canadian, uh, but I am living in Bali currently. So I've been here on and off for about eight months. Math is not my strong point, but I think around eight months. <laughs> and uh, I do have an online business. So I'm a podcasting coach. I teach entrepreneurs to launch podcasts. And that is why I have the freedom to be able to be working from here because I can work remotely. I have to say the time difference is a little bit of a, a juggle sometimes. Like right now we're recording is 5 a.m. my time. Um, but I'm just, I'm used to that. And it's the the price one pays to live somewhere as beautiful as it is here. So yeah. I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. <laughs> it just ensures you're up for the sunrise in a really beautiful place. Exactly. You're, yeah. you're still a little bit upset with me that I don't have my camera on to show it to you, but we'll get to that. It's fine. <laughs> I am. And, and we've also established that allowed me to not rush to put sleeves back on. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pulling like the news broadcaster kind of thing where they look all professional on top, but under the table, it's like sweatpants or shorts, except I'm upside <laughs> down. So I've got the tank top, but I have pants on. Um, for I'm relieved that you have pants on. <laughs> yeah. For our British listeners, I mean, trousers. Okay. Trousers. Yeah. That's right. But you're not wearing a jumper. No. Um, can I take it aside for a second? I, like I have to, I have to ruin the show now. <laughs> I worked for a British company. I've worked for British companies for a decade in total. And one of them had a problem with their American employees not dressing to dress code. And so they sent an email to all of us to re-educate us on the dress code. Only they wrote it in British English. And it was words like jumpers. And um, jumpers was pretty much the only thing we couldn't understand. Like if you're... <laughs> You're tr- and they're like, well, we speak in British English. And it's like, that's great, except you're telling Americans who don't understand how to dress, how to dress using words they don't understand. And you're expecting them to. Anyway, I'm thinking. HR went awry there. Totally. I'm, I'm thinking they're like flight suits, like Maverick and Goose from Top Gun. I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of, I wish I could wear a jumper to work. That's, uh, they don't look as good, like walking around in a city. As that's on, like the most yeah. American thing you might've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the Maverick reference. <laughs> um, oh my God, this is off the rails, but it's fun. Okay. <laughs> well, and the thing is like, this is so the opposite of where we're going to go with your story. So people are all hopefully cracking up, maybe at me, with me, I don't care. Um, but so we rarely do I talk to a guest in depth before doing the interview, because I really appreciate having that firsthand experience with their story when the audience does. And obviously like I know some of the people have been on, so I knew their stories, but I'm really glad we got to connect a, cause it was entertaining and enjoyable for this kind of side of it, but also cause it was pretty profound. And 
I kind of needed to process my reactions to it not live. Um, so now I'm good. But I do. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Definitely. Um, but I, I there is a lot to your backstory. And you weren't just like, you know, you see your podcasting coach. So it's not like, oh, you know, and I, my whole backstory is like, I struggled with a podcast early on and couldn't get a lot of listeners. And then I had my breakthrough. And so now I teach other people to, you know, have millions of listeners or what it's, it's not that kind of struggle. Like, like all of our guests, all of my guests, you've got a real life story that, um, like what you're doing today is, is quite the other end of what you've been through. Um, and to me, I like not, it wasn't just a lot to process, but thinking about what you're doing now and how empowered you are today, it's a really beautiful story of our ability to come through shocks and tough times and emotional hurt and still create and achieve despite that. Um, so I've like, I've been reflecting a lot on our first conversation and really, um, finding a lot of empowerment for myself from that. So thank you for sharing with me the other day. And I'm excited for you to kind of dip into all the stuff before Bali that created, you know, a big part of, of who you are and why you have such strength today. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I am very appreciative of, of all of those kind words. Yeah. I, I, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I have my own podcast. I always forget to add that in when I say that I'm a podcasting coach and people are like, wait, do you also have a podcast? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> yes, no, I, I would never do that. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I completely agree with you about not usually wanting to jump on with a guest beforehand because you want to to really get to the root of things live and, and capture the reactions. Um, but I can also appreciate that my story is a, a little bit, my, my story is not unique, but there are some dramatic, some more dramatic optics of it that are a little bit more unusual, shall we yeah, say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can absolutely appreciate that. And I feel like yeah, your your reaction was was quite funny, actually, on, <laughs> on some levels, and I I really uh, appreciated you taking the time to jump on for that. <laughs> cool. So, give us a little bit of the backstory. You were not born and raised in Bali. You're Canadian. Um, you were not born and raised a successful podcaster. So what? No. What all came <laughs> before that? So uh, I yeah, born and raised Canadian. I've lived in Canada my whole life. Um, and it last uh, Christmas of 2018, um, it was Christmas Eve. I always feel like the story starts like it was a dark and stormy night. Uh, <laughs> but it's Canada, so it's probably dark and snowing. That's true. That's okay. true. Yeah, especially you had on December, flannel and a yeah. sweater. Okay, obviously, <laughs> a jumper. You mean? Oh um, yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I received a knock on the door at 8 PM. Actually, probably, let me back up a little bit. I had actually received, um, some Instagram DMS under a fake account earlier. Uh, it was actually earlier that, that weekend, but I hadn't seen any of them because I had kept my phone off all weekend to spend it with family and, mm. and my partner at the time and all of that. And then it was a couple hours before Christmas Eve where I opened my DMS and find all these screenshots of, uh, conversations between my partner and his previous girlfriend. And the account was run by his previous girlfriend just under a fake name. Um, and there were pictures, there was, there was a lot to process. Yeah. So he and I started discussing this yeah. and I was trying to sort out what was truth and what was fiction. And, uh, I was extremely calm. I shocked myself actually with how calm I was. And we were still trying to figure all this out when we got a knock on the door 
and it was her uh, to reveal all kinds of details in addition to what she'd already sent me that I wasn't aware of. And I sort of just went into this state of um, looking back, I think it was just shock. Uh, but I was, I was surprised <laughs> at how calm I was because it wasn't quite my usual way. Yeah. I remember thinking, am, am I almost that like bird's eye view? Sometimes I think in, in traumatic experiences, we almost take that bird's eye view of ourselves. I'm thinking, am I, am I maturing? <laughs> is that what this is? <laughs> oh my gosh. And, yeah, just deadly calm. Um, I was just sort of absorbing it and just, I, I was agreeing with everything she was saying because she kept asking me, you know, have you heard about this and have you heard about this and, and all these different situations and scenarios, like times where I had been traveling and he had been spending the entire time I was traveling at her house. Um, all kinds of things that I didn't know, but I was agreeing with her for the sake of agreeing to get her out of my house as quickly as possible because I couldn't, it was just, that was the, the part of it that was a little bit unbearable. And yeah, we shut the door and he, how my, long did that, did that go on? Uh, that went on for probably, it's hard to say because I'm almost like blinded by the trauma of it, yeah. but I, I think maybe 10, 10 ish minutes okay. potentially. So it wasn't a super long time, but yeah. it felt like eternity. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like, 10. it's all like back to back, like DMS come out you you confront him and you're like talking through it um and then like knock 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 this is like rapid fire yes uh. yeah and what had come out was that essentially he had been having an affair off and on with her since day one of our nine year relationship was he with her uh, right before you yes he okay. was with her right before me and uh i had been told that they had broken up and then he and i started dating and she would pop up occasionally over the years. Like I would, uh, at one point I even, you know, looked over his shoulder while we were checking out some real estate thing on his phone and a message from her popped up and he freaked out. Um, mm. but then whenever she would kind of pop up in one way or another, there would always be an explanation given that seemed relatively reasonable, yeah. uh, at least to the point where it, it you know, it, 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 it could have technically been an explanation. Everyone always asks, you know, were there signs looking back? Yeah. And I, I think most people who have gone through any type of infidelity can look back and see the signs. Yeah. But there are also situations that could have been explained by technically more reasonable explanations that didn't involve not trusting your partner too. Yeah. And I always chose to trust him. Even when kind of those doubts would creep in, I would just assume that that was just me and my own insecurity. And I would put it to one side and ask myself, do I trust him or don't I? And I would choose to trust him. And I have absolutely no regrets for that because I would rather be somebody who trusts than somebody who doesn't trust at all. Oh. That, that you definitely have, like, that is a maturing kind of view because whether it's maturity or, or otherwise, that's something a lot of people struggle with. And if you've been through a situation like this, a lot of people use that to justify not trusting anyone again, even though it's a completely different person in different circumstances and you're different as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you grow through the experience and it's not to say that I'm never going to have trust issues again, sure. but I, I'm still going to always do whatever I can to choose trust because you, you can't, you can't hold someone hostage for somebody else's actions. And it, it I think that it's all part of the learning experience that to, in order to, come out of it and 
heal from it and grow from it, you have to make those choices. What do you want your life to look like? And I never want to be that partner who is incredibly mistrustful or, or uh, distrustful of the person that I'm with. That, that's not, that's not who I am at my core. And yeah. I'm not going to allow that to turn into who I become. Yeah. Oh. Can you, can you back up a little bit from this moment where everything shifted and, and paint a little bit of the background for us, like growing up your situation and, and what were you doing in life? You know, when, when you met him and, as you guys went through your relationship, like what's the context that this all was going on in? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he and I are both from the same city and we, I mean, growing up, uh, I, I had a pretty great childhood. My parents split up when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that there may have potentially been some, some issues left over, uh, from that for me, but it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a messy breakup, but he and I met, uh, when we were working together. And he and I had known each other, each other for about three years before we ever even started dating. And we had a really strong friendship. We were, we were really close friends. So I think that hit me even harder when I found out about all of this because he, he had been my best friend before we ever even were a couple. Yeah. So it, it was sort of like, if, if I, if I can't trust him, who can I trust? Yeah. <laughs> so Speaking of the trust issues, that definitely brought a lot of that up because I I had a huge amount of difficulty wrapping my head around this man who was capable of doing all of these things compared to the man that I thought that I knew. And a lot of the text messages and stuff like that that I saw between them were actually quite cruel too. They would uh, they had like derogatory nicknames that they would use to refer to me as. Oh. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was not pleasant to, to read for sure. Um, so the yeah, texts were I, I would, about you. Some of them were, some yeah, them. quite a few of them because I, right near the very end, he was trying to convince her that, uh, he and I were split up and that yeah. he wasn't living in our house, which he was. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, she was also driving by our, our house regularly, which he knew about and I didn't. Um, she was tracking my every move online trying to kind of look for any detail of my personal life with him, um, which I normally didn't really post much of anything at his request, which makes a bit more sense now. now. (laughs) So it's things like that, that those types of things made a lot more sense, but that could also have been explained with someone who just wants more privacy. And I, I get that, that, that makes perfect sense to me too. So it, it was situations like that where we're looking back, of course, it made sense in that context, but it had also made perfect sense in different contexts as well. So it, it was really hard to balance that against it. But we ultimately had like a really beautiful relationship. This is not the stereotypical relationship that we tend to associate with infidelity. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times we think that people are, you know, miserable or that they hate each other or that, they, you know, we can we can come up with a whole wide array of, of reasons why we stereotypically think that infidelity ha- happens. This was not one of those situations. We we were kind of widely known to a lot of people in our circle as like people looked up to us as a couple to some degree. Yeah. Um, and you know, they we I would get questions sometimes like, how do you guys handle these types of scenarios? And you guys seem to have it all together. And and that wasn't that wasn't fake. It wasn't an act. Yeah. Um, 
it, it seemed all too real for, for me. And that was why it was even more of a shock when I had to try and wrap my head around the fact that this person was actually two very different people and I didn't know which one was real. Yeah. I'm curious if, since you were friends before you guys were together, did you know his ex before? I did not, not well by any means, but she and I had met, uh, a couple, a couple times, two or three times probably at like work Christmas parties and stuff like that. So we had met before. Yeah. Did you ever get a read on her? Like, did she leave you feeling a certain way? Not particularly. I, I think, um, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to speak to how, how they were perceived as a couple. Yeah. Um, what, what I will say is that he, would make a lot of comments about being unhappy. Mm. Um, and not just to me, but fairly openly, openly yeah. yes, to, to many people. Yeah. Um, so, but that, then that again speaks to, you know, I, I don't know what he was saying about me to yeah. other people at the time either. Um, I, my understanding is that for the most part, he came across as quite happy with me because everyone was shocked when this came out with only like two or three exceptions to that. Yeah. Uh, just about everyone was blown away that he was capable of this. Yeah. So I almost felt better about that because again, there are, there are different types of infidelity. They happen for different reasons. And I think that some people, um, it's like the, the partner is the only one who doesn't know what's going on. This was not one of those situations. Like yeah. very, very few people had any inkling that there was anything awry. Yeah. So that did actually offer me some comfort because I thought, okay, at least, at least I wasn't the only one who didn't see this coming. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to people who, you know, have been through being cheated on, dealing with infidelity. And there is that, that self-judgment that comes out of it and that the way that it leaves them feeling about themselves, whether they're good enough, why aren't they wanted? Why would someone do this to them? You know, all those sorts of feelings, which are understandable. And of course they don't deserve that, but it does make it harder when it's like the whole world is like, Oh, we saw this the whole time. How could you miss it? And that, you know, that I get why you would then look at yourself even more, but even like, well, why do these people who are all around you who love you, why aren't they saying anything? So, you know, it's, I, I just, I struggle with like bringing it back to blame yourself and it's it's great that you had some of that validation and you weren't doing that but a lot of people do find themselves in that spot feeling you know less than um or blaming themselves and i think it's an important message to reiterate it's not your fault like if someone's doing this whether it was you or someone else if that's what they're inclined to do or they're inclined to do that rather than talk to you about not being happy or you know wanting to split up or whatever the situation is that's ultimately on them. That's not because you're blind or you're not good enough or, you know, it's, it's really important to me how we come through these moments when someone deceives us like that. Yeah. And it brings up a, a huge amount of a, a lot of issues around self-trust because yeah. especially since I, I had just found out that this person that I trusted most in the world, I hadn't actually been able to trust for nearly a decade um, that, that created a lot of doubt in myself and my own judgment yeah. because I, I thought if, if I, if I can't trust this, this person, how can I trust any of my opinions or anything that I do? So that, that brought up another whole kind of degree of it that had to be dealt with. But 
you raise a good point too about um, people who do know that something like infidelity is going on and they don't say anything. And I've, I've kind of been asked that by a handful of people and what my thoughts are on that, because some people don't want to know. Yeah. Like some people would actually rather remain in ignorance or some people think that they want to know until they're presented with it. And then they would rather be an ostrich and bury their head in the sand. Yeah. Um, so there's, it, there's kind of two sides of it. And I do understand both sides of it. I can understand, you know, wanting to just let things be, let sleeping dogs lie, shall yeah. we say. Um, and then I personally still feel quite strongly that I would rather know the truth but I can understand why if it's, if it's like a minor indiscretion, that's never going to happen again. Not that that can actually be predicted, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, is it really worth the pain of telling the other partner? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a tough juggle on that one. Yeah. I think the key is, I mean, to your point about trusting yourself is if you're the person who's being cheated on, to know yourself and what you really care about. And it doesn't matter whether someone else knows or doesn't know or should have told you or didn't tell you or did and you wish they didn't or whatever. Ultimately, you have to find a way to be comfortable with yourself and your choices and find that ability to trust yourself again because that's who you're living with. Like the person you trust most in the world should never be another person. It should always be you. And then it can be someone else, you know, right behind that. But it's got to start with trusting yourself because that's the thing you depend on each and every day. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's been a process and that's something that I'm, I'm still working on. And, and honestly, I think I'll, I'll always be working on. I think most of us Everybody. have, yeah, yeah, I think we all kind of need to work on self-trust and, and making sure that we are trusting our own choices and, and what we're doing and how we're showing up in the world. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, a constant thing, but that was partly why I decided to take off and travel alone. Um, but it, it was, I, I decided that very quickly within like a couple of days of finding mm-hmm. this out that once our house would be sold and everything else that I was going to, to take off. I've traveled alone before and loved it. And, um, I just, I kind of had to get out of there, especially in the wake of some of the additional details that came out after the fact <laughs> that I was finding out in the months that followed, I, I needed out of where I was and not in the way of running away, mm-hmm. but in the sense of, I, I need some space to breathe because yeah. I, I just felt like I was being suffocated by the situation and I had to, I had to get away from all of that. Yeah. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, I imagine that night when, you know, you got the, the DMS and you confronted him about it, that he was sort of denying and ex- trying to explain away everything. Yes. He, he's not just like, yes, I need to tell you something um, and owning it and apologizing. Like, it never goes that way, right? It never goes that way. Um, <laughs> deny, maybe deny, like, deny. Yeah, maybe like twice in history. But generally, we should expect that the person's going to try to turn it around on you. You're crazy or that person's crazy and none of this is happening. And um, so that that doesn't go smoothly. So, all right. So she's there. She leaves what happens next? Cause it doesn't just all end that night. There's like you said, there's a process. You guys owned a house together been close to a decade ago. Like there's, there's things to untangle before you just go off on your merry way and start trusting yourself. So how do yeah, you, how exactly. do you get through that? Well, one thing that was, that was funny about that, that actual night was as soon as she left, he shut the door and he and I looked at each other and he said, I think I just gave you your first book. And I said, that's true. 
and then we continued to have a very calm conversation. Um, in and around that, we got engaged. I, I then gave the ring um, back. You guys had just gotten engaged. Well, we kind of got engaged that night because he'd been he'd been planning on proposing all month, and he had like a the ring in his pocket. And to to be clear, I my first question was was that ring even for me? Oh, and wow. I looked at that the ring, and that ring was absolutely intended for me. Um, it was very unusual. I'd always had very specific and unusual. Uh, requirements for anything that came to that. And it fit that requirement, like all those requirements to a T okay. and it's not, it wasn't like the typical sort of ring that most yeah. women would want. So I know that that ring was intended for me. Okay. Um, whether or not when it comes to, were we ever actually going to get married? I really don't think we were Thing, right. things would have ended up falling apart at some point before we got married anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that, that all kind of fell apart. And, um, so in, can I just ask, so, so go ahead. after, yeah. after she's, she's left at some point in the evening, then he proposes to you. He, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I kind of was like, because he had been planning on proposing by Christmas Eve. Yeah. And then when all of this happened, literally that day, I, I was again, just so calm. I said, are you still going to propose? Or I said like propose to me just because we already knew that, that we were going to be like breaking up essentially. And, uh, we were both crying and he, he broke out the ring. And then for about 24 hours, I was almost on the fence. I, I was like, you know, should I, can we work through this? Is that, and and I think a a lot of people have those moments. And for some people that is the right choice. I always want to make that clear that Esther Perel talks about how there used to be shame in, uh, leaving and now there's shame in staying. Yeah. And it, it's not the right choice. You know, we didn't have children. We were not legally married. So I, I was left with all kinds of options that I would not have been otherwise. And that a lot yeah. of other people don't have the freedom that I did. Yeah. So I always want to make that clear. It's a, it's a different right choice for everyone. I just, I made the, the right one for me, but it was also for me because it had been happening since day one. It's, that sort of set it apart. You know, if, yeah, if, if I had different. found out that, yeah, if I had found out that they had just been, you know, had taken up semi recently, or maybe that they'd had an affair for the first couple of years, but nothing since I would have looked at that situation very differently. Yeah. But because it was off and on the entire time that, that changed the conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly removes, it removes his ability to be like, I'm over that. I don't want that. Like it's been like almost a decade. Yes. <laughs> like you, you had, you had many, many years to be over that and you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think, a, ultimately like a, a validation thing to yeah. some degree. Um, and, and that isn't about me. So I, I right. couldn't really take that on because ultimately, yeah, as, as much shame as there is still associated with that and, and self judgment and all of that, it's that that wasn't actually about me. Yeah. That didn't really have anything to do with, with me. Did you get that at the time? Um, certainly not the way I do now. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously something that, you know, I I think I will still always struggle with to, to a tiny degree. I, I think that anyone who's ever been through that type of situation, especially where there was, you know, a, a huge amount of trauma attached to it, 
Um, I, I think that that will always maybe be lurking in the back of, of your head yeah. <laughs> to some degree. And it's more about what you choose to do with that voice when it rears its ugly head and how you handle it. And yeah, so, so there will always be, I think like a tiny piece of me that will jump to that if I'm in like a more negative headspace, but yeah. it's something that I've kind of learned to put to one side. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I want to stop interrupting you, but uh, there's so much I'm curious about. Um, no, right, please. So, <laughs> well, so like you, you 24 hours, you come to that feeling like, no, I, this isn't, this isn't the right path. So how do you move forward from that? Um, it, yeah. And he and I had, uh, decided that we want to do some renovations in the house before we sold it. So we kind of gave ourselves uh, a, a bit of a timeline because we also knew how to time it as to when to put the house up for sale to maximize, uh, how much we would make from it as well. It's such a professional it, thought process. <laughs> I'm really impressed. It's, you know what I have to say, and I always, I always say this, I, I give him credit because he and I both did what we could to be like, we parted on, on very amicable terms. He, he dropped me off at the airport when I left the oh. country. Um, he'd really wanted to do that. And I, I finally agreed. Um, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, you'll, you're never going to see me again, but we, we parted on, on amicable terms. Yeah. Um, and we worked together really well to make it all happen. And I give both of us credit for that because that, that wasn't just me. I, I couldn't yeah. have done that by myself. He absolutely made sure that that happened as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So we, we figured all of that out. We figured out our finances. He was again, very generous. Uh, he had really encouraged me to quit my job of 11 years, six months before this happened. <laughs> wow. So I was still building up my business and we had been of the agreement and, and he had really pushed me because I'd been so hesitant to take that leap. Yeah. And he had really encouraged me for a long time before I finally uh, got around to to doing it. And then I felt like I was being left in a pretty significant lurch because now I was also in such emotional turmoil that I felt like it's the thing about entrepreneurship is nobody else to do it for you. You have yeah. to, you have to do it yourself. Yeah. So I was not in a great space to be working and I was trying to figure that all out. So he and I came to an arrangement where both of us were contributing money, but he was contributing uh more so as per kind of our original agreement and he he upheld that so again i give full credit where it's due mm. um but yeah in in the months that followed i i was still being lied to on a very regular basis mm. uh, i kept uncovering more and more things there would be little details that people had maybe heard about but didn't think anything of at the time that were now yeah. sort of coming out as well which is yeah. still happening. <laughs> Sometimes people will still tell me things that take me back a little bit. Um, one of them was that I, she had, the, the other woman had kept talking about a, a house on a street that intersected ours, but she wouldn't give me more information about it. And he kept denying that it even existed. And I did some digging on my own. And I finally figured out that he had been uh, spending a huge amount of time at a house 170 meters from our driveway and a, a close member of his family had purchased it four years earlier. <laughs> we would walk by it every single day and we noticed when it had been purchased because we started to see the renovations being done on it. And he and I are both kind of quite handy and we, we were into, you know, paying attention to that. And 
we would have entire conversations about the renovations that were happening. And it turned out that he was the one who had done all of those renovations. <laughs> so that was next level. <laughs> I, yes. I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. Um, that's mind boggling to me, like the yeah. gall that it takes to do that or the like split personality. Like, yes. As if yeah. it's like, Oh my, did, did he, and I'm so curious if he brought it up, like if it was almost a cry to get caught. I, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, and, and I could never, and I still don't fully understand why the house was secret because the, the family member knew me as well. Very well, like very, very well. Um, and it, a lot of other people in the family didn't know about it, but the ones who did had basically been told specifically that I didn't know. And no one still understands why that was a thing. No, nobody gets that. I, I, I don't know the reasons on that. I don't think I ever will. Um, but yeah, he, he would go to great lengths. He would, he would hide his vehicle in the garage at that place. Or if he did park outside when he was trying to pretend to the other woman that he wasn't living in our house, 170 meters, the other direction, he would park, he would park it outside. And then he would tell me that either the truck had broken down and it couldn't make it any farther or you know, we had neighbors that he knew down there. So he would say that he had left it there because he'd been helping them out with, you know, their basement or like doing a renovation on their basement or whatever. Um, there were all kinds of reasons given that again would be reasonable. Yeah. Those it, a, a few times I thought they were a little odd, but yeah. they were definitely still within the realm of being reasonable. So I let it go because I, I didn't think much of it. And then finding out the truth of that was, alarming yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean that, that blows my mind on so many levels and um, yeah, I mean, there, there's like, I, I'm trying to understand pieces of it and then I'm like, what's your problem, man? There's like, what are you understanding? There's nothing to understand in this. It just, it's yeah, mind boggling yeah. and leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I forgot to mention too, is that as soon as, as soon as I ended this relationship, Within a couple of days, I all of a sudden noticed that all of my anxiety that had become increasingly crippling, especially in the, the previous six months, had lifted practically overnight. And then I noticed that my all of my uh, periods regulated within like like within days. And for the first time in years, my I had not had regular periods in probably at least three years. Mm. And everything regulated virtually overnight. And that was just my really, that was a huge wake up call as well, because it was just showing me how much my body had been talking to me and I had been ignoring it. I'd yeah. been ignoring my intuition and my own gut instincts that things were off. And as soon as I left the stress of that relationship, everything else fell into place. Yeah. When you told me about that, when we connected before that really stood out to me is like, you said actually that like your body was rejecting him. And yes. You don't necessarily see those signals in the moment, but you understand them now. And especially to me, it was so telling it was your reproductive system. And this is like, you know, your mate and your body's saying, uh uh, like, I'm not going to make this easy for you. It's like it knows inside the intuition is so strong. That, that blew me away. Yeah. And, and I had actually said to my mom at one point, uh, a few months before this happened, he and I had been talking about, uh, we'd planned on having children within about a year of, of all this happening. And 
I had said to my, my mom at one point that I was worried that we might not be able to have kids because of all these issues that I was having. And I said, it feels like my body is physically rejecting him. That's wild. And that statement, like in retrospect, is shocking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen, listen to, uh, to the clues and then the overt ones where you literally say it out loud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to your words. Oh, man. Um, so when you when you quit your job, you know, with with his his push there and and uh, and support to go do that, what was it you were going to do? Is it the work that you're doing today, or were you breaking off to do something else? Yeah, I was. Uh, I I had been kind of doing side hustles. I'd been in my corporate job for eleven years, but I'd been doing sort of side hustles uh, throughout that. First, kind of in the fitness world, um, and I was teaching boot camp classes and stuff, and then. I went back to school part-time while I was still working full-time to uh, do holistic nutrition. Mm. So I had started my business online in that uh, area, and that was what I was still technically doing when he and I split, but I, I kept kind of being pulled other directions and towards podcasting because by the time he split up, he and I split up, I'd launched two separate podcasts, and people kept coming to me going, how, how are you doing this? Like, how are you making this happen? I, I can't even launch one. You know, what, what, what is it that you're doing that you're able to launch two? And I would just kind of light up talking about it and about, you know, the business side of things and how to build a business around a podcast. And I started paying close attention to that because when it came to nutrition, I did not light up that way at all. And I was getting kind of bored with it. And I couldn't really figure out why I was very resistant to letting that go because I'd worked so hard to get there. I mean, I yeah. spent two full years in school working towards it that I, I felt like it was a waste and education is never a waste. Um, but I, I was very resistant to making the switch mm. and it was kind of in the wake of all of this happening that again, it just felt like all the, the pieces of my life started to come into place and to get more in alignment. And I just kind of had this this clarity that I wasn't going to waste my time trying to force something that clearly wasn't going to work, <laughs> which yeah. is a statement that can be applied to multiple areas of one's life, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to ask about it. Cause that's, there's like, it's this coalescing of that exact theme across a number of fronts. Yes. Um, it's kind of like, this was your moment and you, you went through what is a completely unnecessary experience that no one should have to go through in one of those aspects, but you had, I mean, some gut wrenching and, and questioning in other aspects, not, you know, not nearly as shocking in any way, shape or form, but still like professionally, romantically, geographically, there's a lot of complete shift happening all at once, which is empowering and is also a ton to handle. How do you, how did you feel at the time? Like, was it too much? You know, people say like, don't change your job and get married and this and that all at the same time. Um, you kind of did everything all at once by choice <laughs> or otherwise. Do, was that occurring to you? It, it definitely was. And, and there were times where I felt very unsettled, like the, like as though the ground below me wouldn't stop moving. Um, especially when I was still so tied to being in our house, uh, by myself, but in, in our house and surrounded by him. And then once I found out about the house down the street, I, it, it like, there was nowhere for me to go. I, yeah. I couldn't go for a walk without walking past his, his other house. And, and it got to the point where 
once he knew that I knew he initially, he was very angry with me and then he kind of just let that go. And I would walk by just going again for normal everyday walk. And sometimes I would run into him, you know, he'd be like cutting the lawn at the house and we would stop and have a chat. And then I'd go, well, this is fucking weird. He's like, yep. <laughs> we would just carry on our way. <laughs> I'd yeah. keep walking and he would keep cutting the lawn. Like it was just, it was bizarre. It felt like I was living in an alternate universe. Um, and, and I, I would have these moments of when, when did my life turn into a movie? And yeah. Is are we are we done yet? Like, can we be finished? Because I can't take much more. And more details would keep coming out, and it felt like every time I would get back up, I would just get knocked down again. And all that kept me going was that this. I, I knew that I would at least have the freedom to be able to walk away and get myself out of this situation. And it was such a relief. When, when I, when I got to Bali, it was like, I stepped off the plane and I already felt like a weight had been lifted. Yeah. Um, just removing myself from the, the physical constraints of that whole situation and not being able to escape out from under it. Yeah. That, that alone felt like it gave me a huge amount of empowerment and just made me feel so much better. And, and I've just made so many incredible relationships here in friendships and, um, the multiple friends here have said, you know, it almost feels like, you know, we, we didn't know you before, but it almost feels like your life started when, when your relationship ended. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more that that is really what it feels like. Of course it served his purpose. I will always be grateful to him for many, many reasons. And I wouldn't be where I am right now on various fronts in a positive way, if it wasn't for him and for that relationship and what I've learned from that relationship. So I, I, I will never regret it, uh, by any means. It, it taught me more than I could have ever imagined, but it's, it's not necessarily something I would wish on somebody either. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think we talked about this before too. Um, we should just record that conversation, but <laughs> that, like that comment you just made that, that is something that really stands with me. And I've been a lot more purposeful in asking my guests about that. Um, the, the idea of regret and whether, you know, you would change any of that or wish it didn't happen. And, you know, again, no one ever says like, oh yeah, I'm happy that, you know, there was this, this bad outcome or that, that, you know, in some cases someone died or, you know, whatever pain and suffering anyone went through, but I still wouldn't give up the experience overall. Um, that's something that I, I think a lot of people when they're in the why me phase, it's really hard to, it's just talking to someone I'm coaching about this the other day, they're very much in the why me, the world's against me phase. And so it's kind of, you know, next to impossible to see any appreciation for what they're going through. But I know, you know, it might be years later, they will get to that point, I hope. Because um, good or bad, like, we wouldn't be who we are today. And if there's anything we value in that, then we have to be able to see that this experience is part of that too. Um, you you have to be like 90 something years old because the wisdom and maturity that you exhibit around this is, I mean, to think how recent this all was, um, you know, we just passed a year since that, that fateful Christmas Eve. Um, it's really, it's really impressive, but I think the way you're talking about it is a testament to why you're able to see it that way, that you, you're still seeing the appreciation points and the growth and the support that you had, despite what you had to go through. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's just because maybe it was 
all the stress and anxiety lifting when I ended it, maybe that was part of it, but I recognized very quickly that I would make this the best thing to ever happen to me. And I'm not really sure if, if I had the thought process of this will be the best thing to ever happen to me, or I will make this the best thing to ever happen to me. Uh I'm not really sure which came first or which one was sort of like leading. Um, but I, I made sort of that very deliberate choice that if I didn't make this the best thing to ever happen to me, I would have just thrown away nine years of my life. And I refused to allow that to happen. It it, uh, almost a third of my life at this point. And I wasn't going to allow that to take over and to hold me prisoner. So it was okay. You, this is the hand that you've been dealt. What are you going to do about it? And what are you going to do with it? And the, the reason why I've come forward with the story is because it, it, I, I really just wanted to extend a hand to anyone who felt incredibly isolated and alone because infidelity, again, I'll kind of bring it back to the shame factor. There is so much shame attached to it. We don't want to talk about it. We, we don't want to have people question, oh, like she must have been a terrible partner or how could she have been so stupid that she didn't see through any of any of his, his years and years of lies. Like that's not the kind of shit we want to talk about. And I wanted to shine a light on that because since my particular story is again, not unique at all, it just happens to have some dramatics attached to it that are a little bit more unusual. I kind of wanted to, to show people like, if I can come through this, you can come through a similar situation. And the response has just been overwhelming because I, I have, you know, people showing up in, in my, in my DMS, uh, regularly and virtually every week, pouring their hearts out to me and, and thanking me for talking about it because it has made them feel less alone. And that was my singular goal was if I could even help one person feel a little bit less isolated. Uh, that was the only reason why I wanted to come forward with this kind of thing and, and to use that to extend a hand to somebody who needed it. Mm. That's awesome. It's really beautiful. And I, I love the fact that it, a, it's happening and B, there are ways for you to be able to see that in fairly real time to, you know, it's not that you need the pat on the back, but like that reassurance that the pain that you experienced and how you experienced it and what you've chosen to do with it is having a positive impact on other people. Like it, it that's such a, it's such a rewarding place to be. Well, we choose purpose. Like as human beings, we, we have the emotional intelligence to be able to find purpose in basically shitty circumstances. And, and purpose doesn't just appear. It's what we make of it. It's what we, it's what we create of circumstances. So I, I think that finding that degree of purpose in whatever situation you're dealing with that is creating some really difficult circumstances right now is kind of a really big step in coming through it in one piece on the other side. Yeah. If, if you can't find that purpose piece, it makes it much harder to try and feel your way around in the dark when there is no rule book attached to how to handle these types of situations. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that it gives us the anchor and the the center point to come back to, to remember why we're going through what we're going through, uh, helps us to not feel like that feeling, those feelings, that suffering, that what, you know, whatever our experience was, was in vain. Yes. Yes. What? That's such a powerful shift. Yeah. Um, 
so when he dropped you off at the airport, that was to go to Bali? Yes. Yeah. And um, other than flying to like arguably the most beautiful or one of the most beautiful places on the planet, um, <laughs> what are some of the things that have been the most helpful for you in processing and building the trust in yourself since getting on that plane or, or before, you know, depending when it started for you? One of them is, is traveling alone. And, and not everybody has the, the privilege. I, I, I fully recognize and acknowledge my privilege here that not everybody has the, the freedom to jump on a plane uh, by themselves and whatever. But um, I do, I've always felt strongly that everyone should travel alone at some point because when you're traveling, <laughs> things are inevitably going to go wrong. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when the, those situations happen, you have to figure it out. You, you just have to make it work and manage the situation to the best of your abilities. And when you figure that out and you come out on the other side and you're still in one piece, that builds a lot of self-trust and resilience because you, you recognize that when things go awry in whatever situation or circumstance that you'll, you'll figure it out as you go and you'll make it work. So I think that that's been a really powerful part of it. Um, the other one is, is not being afraid to ask for help either. Um, initially I was very private about all of this because I didn't have, I didn't have the energy to manage other people's reactions. Mm. And especially because it was such a dramatic story, I was still trying to process my own emotions and issues around it. And when I would tell somebody who had never heard it before, I would spend all of my time basically comforting them and yeah. trying to manage that for them. So I just stopped telling anyone and I, I kept it very to a very, very tight circle. There were a lot of people in my life who didn't even know that this was a thing until I went public with it. Yeah. Um, because I just, it, it, there were friends of mine who was like, wait, you, you were in Canada yesterday and now you're in Bali. I'm like, yes. They're like, well, where, where's, Where's your partner? And I just didn't answer any yeah. of them until I came out with the story at like a, a month or two later. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think that it's it's a lot of little decisions made along the way too, yeah. like keeping little promises to yourself and allowing yourself the space to kind of heal too, and kind of recognizing that you are going to have bad days. Some days you're going to feel like yeah. you've taken three steps forward, and other days you're going to feel like you've taken fifteen back, and that that's normal that that's part of the process it doesn't mean that you know you're you're better and now you're not it, it's actually just part of a very normal healing process yeah. your friends ask the wrong question it's can i visit so, <laughs> exactly. so where's your partner exactly it's like, oh so you have room then because it's just you okay <laughs> Fools. be right there <laughs> yeah um yeah no i connect you with Di manuel and that was uh that was, that's my biggest regret is while he and his family were in Bali, they were like, we got a pool house, there's room for you. Not finding a way to make that happen. Oh, um, you missed out. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Now I'm going to have to move there and he'll have to come visit for me. I don't think he'll complain about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now I don't have a choice. I have to extend the invite to him too, because that's just, it's, it's mean. Um, yeah, so I don't know what it is about Canadians in Bali. Um, but apparently that's a thing. I don't know. Is Which that, is funny because when I, it's only recently that I have met a handful more Canadians. I, there's far more Brits and Aussies here, I find. I get uh, the like Aussies the same, part. 
I definitely get yeah, the Aussie. Yeah, the Aussies part. make sense. Yeah. yeah. But I've started adopting like some British and, and Aussie words that I think like I said jumper. dodgy. Yeah, like jumper. And I said the word dodgy on the phone to my mom one day. She's like, You've literally never used the word dodgy in your entire life. Like I think I'm hanging out with too many Brits here. <laughs> Is that i I don't hear well, maybe I do and I just didn't catch that. That's a British thing? Yeah, that's that's a British thing. Or saying that that uh that you're keen. Or something oh yeah 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 to us in north america that sounds like something out of the 1950s but aussies and brits use use that term yeah. constantly they so, also yeah, say do you rate something and I'm like, do, well, do you that, wish do you rate rate it which i oh. would be like do i rate it high or rate it low and that means do you rate it high like do you you know speak highly of it do you think it's good oh, okay i don't think i've really yeah. heard that one i'll have to ask my, my aussie friends about that <laughs> They basically, the, the Brits took our language uh, from America and just destroyed it after we colonized their island. Um, I think that's how the history went. Of course, not positive. that's how it went, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that they're actually referred to as the English. <laughs> right. Um, Americish. Um, Americish, yeah. Yeah. Well, there we've gone off the rails again, and this one was my fault. Um, <laughs> Emily, is there is there stuff that, you know, there there's a lot to your story. There's a lot that's your story that, you know, needs to stay within you. There's a lot that is not your actual story. It's the story of the other people that were players in this. And that's not relevant to, you know, to what you're going through. I don't want to shortchange any of the things that you feel are critical. And, you know, for me to try to guide the conversation a bit and not having lived in your shoes, I don't know if I'm missing something. Um, so is, is there something that we're not that that hasn't come out in this or that like was a really critical thing for you as you've gotten to where you're at now. And as you look to where you're going next, which maybe that's not a clear place yet, maybe it is. Um, I'm just curious, like, there's a lot of inspiration I'm pulling from you. So I want to give you that space to call out, like, what are, is there something else that we haven't hit on that's been really valuable to you? I think that accepting that you don't know exactly what your journey is going to look like is a really big part of it. And that's really hard for me because I was, I was the, the person who have, who's always had everything planned out and not in the sense of, uh, I've actually been the opposite. I, I feel to, to a lot of women about like the, the, you know, marriage thing. I, I've never pictured, you know, like the perfect ideal wedding and, and really any of those things. Um, but for the most part, I've always had a bit of a timeline in my head about how things will go and by, you know, approximate certain dates. And this is, this is the right way to do things. And I had already been starting to step into a more unconventional life through having an online business and wanting to travel more and stuff like that when I was still in that relationship. And there's so many things that I wanted and continue to want out of life that would never have fit into that life. Yeah. And even a lot of the people that, that I have met that I, I now consider like pretty dear friends, they would not have fit into my previous life. Even if by chance I had somehow managed to meet them anyway, they wouldn't have fit into what, what my life looked like prior to this. And I think that sometimes we have to, trust the universe a little bit that even if something else is falling apart, there's something else better coming down the line. And some people might argue that that's not true. Um, and there, there are certainly situations where, you know, like a a death of a loved one or something like that, where there's that, that's a whole different situation. So I never want anyone who's experiencing something like that to feel that way. But if, if we're talking about things like relationships falling apart and, 
and various aspects of your life falling apart where it can kind of feel like the end of the world at that moment. I think that I want to really encourage people to try and take it's easier said than done, but to try and take a little bit of a bird's eye view that even though you don't know what's coming next, that you'll be able to figure it out and to trust yourself enough to know that, that you can manage whatever comes your way, um, that you are strong enough to figure it out and that it's okay to not have all the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers right now about where my life is going. I have various, uh, goals in mind and some general plans, but I've really learned to not set anything too much in stone. Um, because then it also leaves space for other really great things to come in that you may not have even considered before too. So that's all kind of part of it is, is accepting that life, you know, we, we think that life is going to look one way, might look wildly different and that that's still okay. It doesn't have to look one way or the other. And there might be things out there that are coming to you that you never even expected and they can be better than you ever imagined. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautifully said. And your calls out to like, you know, easier said than done and all that. You're, you're also saying this from the perspective of someone who has had to deal with anxiety and that's probably the toughest thing in those moments is, you know, it's describing this kind of place is like to, to someone earlier is like, you're in this, you're on this path, but it's really foggy and you can't really see where you're going or which, you know, which different branches of the path lie ahead and which one you're going to take. But there's a period of time where you're going to have to walk through that fog and you know how to walk and you know, you're walking forward and eventually that fog is going to lift and you'll start to know which one of those branches of the paths that you're going to be going down. But you have to, you sort of have to deal with the anxiety today of not knowing and finding how to be okay with that. Yeah. And, and it can be incredibly debilitating at times, but I have a mentor who always talks about, he usually uses it more in the context of entrepreneurship, but I I tend to think that it's a really great metaphor for life in general, that, you know, when we were all babies learning to walk, we didn't try to take our first step, fall on our ass and then give up. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, that, that's kind of where I think it, some of our very first forms of resilience starts to be built is we, we teach ourselves to get back up again. Yeah. And we, as adults, it can feel so much harder because we, we know more about the world and it can feel crushing at times to try to keep taking steps when, when we have the anxiety and we have no idea what's next on the path, but kind of thinking back to, to that metaphor that, you know, this is what you were like when you didn't know better. Why can't you still take those, those same skills and apply them to whatever it is that you're dealing with right now and to just try to take that next step and know that eventually you'll get there. It's just going to take some time and it might not look, uh, the way that you thought it did. (laughs) Yeah. No. And the cool thing, like you said, like that capability is actually within us. Yes. Like if you walk today, if you talk today, if you do any number of things that you had never done before at some point in your life, you have that capability. Exactly. Exactly. We're far more capable beings than we ever give ourselves credit for. Yes. And we, we often sell ourselves short. Yeah. And you have to really trust that there's more in you and that you have the answers within you. They just might not have made their appearance yet, yeah. but you'll know when the time is right. I love that. Um, all right. I think we are going to end up trading like inspiring lines at this point and validating <laughs> each other. So um, I want to I want to bring things to a close. Where can people find out more about you and 
catch your work, work with you, follow your podcasts, your social, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah. So I'm over at, uh, the room to grow podcast. Um, you can also find me over at emilygoffcoaching.com or at emilygoffcoach on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm sure the, my name spelling will be in the title. I always tell everyone it's just, it's cough with a G both oh. pronunciation and spelling wise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that makes it easy. Yeah. So Emily Goff coach, uh, jump over to Instagram. I, that's probably where I hang out the most and pop into my DMS and yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to chat. <laughs> awesome. I will link to all that. So no one needs to worry about spelling as a guy with a name that is not spelled easily first or last name. Um, I feel that. And so I, I will, I will make sure that it's yeah, all you, in here. You really like to throw people for a loop, don't you? <laughs> As my mother's best friend was like, why don't you name him Brian with a Y? Um, she's really <laughs> nice. So <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I harbor a lot of ill will towards her, but she's very nice and makes it hard. I always say like, it's just me and Brian Adams. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Oddly enough, in the past year, I've met maybe 15 other Brian's with a Y and I've maybe met like two in the rest of my life. Something's, I feel like there's a power, there's an energy in the world for Brian's with a Y. We've had all of our name tags spelled wrong for years and now we're rising up and coming together. <laughs> you talk about hard. You guys are forming a superpower. Yeah. That's uh, the next episode of the show actually is about name tag misspelling. It's, um, <laughs> it's a real hardship. Um, but you can survive, right? You, <laughs> you thought your story through. was bad. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> the plight of the Brian. <laughs> yeah. I guess people could spell your last name G-O-F-F. You don't even understand. Um, oh, that's happening too. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So we're, we're like, uh, we're, we're brother, sister connection here. Um, Emily, you're awesome. I've, I've honestly had a, a blast with you, which is uh, a totally inappropriate thing to say mixed in with some of the other feelings I've had at the same time um, from what is a really difficult and powerful and hard to imagine experience you've been through. So I stand in awe, in awe and with a lot of respect and you're awesome. Um, so I think that's such a great testament to what we're all capable of doing. And, and, you know, your point about purpose to me is like, we choose our purpose. So you've clearly done that. And I, I love that. And I love that. Um, you've been so open about sharing that with us today. So thank you so much for all of that. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. And I have to, I have to share, we never did share that yeah, when go ahead. I first told you, <laughs> when I first told you my story, the first thing you said was, I'm, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I was really focused on Bali. Okay. Like that's all I was thinking about. Laughing. Like, wow, no one has ever said that to me before yeah. about this story. <laughs> yes. yes. Anyway, that made my day. <laughs> um, there's a lot of foot insertion into mouth, uh, on my end. Um, and usually I get to edit it out. And I told you beforehand, I was like, and I'm going to edit that out if you say it, but I'll let it fly because <laughs> okay. now people okay. can see the joy that is podcasting. It's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was endearing. It's fine. <laughs> I actually did it on purpose is what it is. I knew what I was. Oh, well done. Well played. Yeah. Well played. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm much too clever to have messed up. Um, all right. I better get you off the show before you ruin me any other way. Uh, <laughs> Emily, thank you so much. This is like, honestly, for such a, a heavy thing, you're so genuine. Um, I, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and, um, yeah, just awesome to have, to have gotten connected. So thank you for everything you shared. 
Thank you. I'm so, seriously, I'm so grateful for the opportunity and just the, the uh, way that we've gotten to connect. I think it's, it's awesome. So the joys of, of the internet, honestly, yes. I think there's just so much power in it. Yeah, so that's yeah. really cool. And I'm, I'm so, so appreciative and just incredibly grateful. Cool. All right. You ready to help me close this out and not get me sued by Nike? I'm going to try. All right. <laughs> Today's a new day. Go out and do it. <laughs> that passes the legal Did team. I nail it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> How cool is that woman? So driven, so clear, such energy. Uh, I really, I, I get such a, a charge out of getting to talk to her. Uh, I'm really lucky to have done that and to bring her to you. The story blows my mind, and I'm sure you guys are in the same boat. How can you even imagine that happening? And there's, you know, obviously there's even more to it that we couldn't even get into in the show, but pretty unreal. And then what she's done on the back of that, what she's created, the strength that she has. And I think for me, that's probably the biggest message is in stories of infidelity, how the strength of the person who's being cheated on, who's being lied to, can diminish or can evaporate, or maybe it wasn't strong enough in the first place because that other person was holding them down. Not only did Emily grow, but there's such strength and drive in her and I, to me, that, that's the message. You know, that's the possibility that all of us has. There's a point that she made, there's several points she made, but the one that really hit me is accepting that you don't know what your journey is going to look like. Like that's really hard for a lot of us. And for so many of us, we find ourselves in these moments of not knowing what lies ahead and it seems crushing. And we start to play the what if game. And Emily really you know, she had that thrown in her face in an instant and she went ahead anyway. You know, she has worked with how to calm that sense so she can still try. And that's really beautiful. It's accepting that journey, the unknown of it. All right. Definitely connect with Emily. You can learn more about her work at emilygoffcoaching.com. Check out the Room to Grow podcast. You can link to it right there on her site. And definitely follow her, Emily Goff Coach, at Instagram. She's on Facebook and every, you know, all the other social media sites too, um, Twitter or Pinterest, whatever. But um, she's definitely active on Instagram. And what better place to see those pictures from Bali because it's beautiful there. We can't all go, but at least we can live vicariously through her Instagram feed. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast if you haven't already. That's my ask for the day. If you have already done those things, why don't you mention the show to a friend? Maybe there's someone who's struggling with something. I know all of us struggles with something at some point, but globally, we are all facing the need to back off of these what-ifs and do what we can do in this present moment. So maybe this show can help someone you care about. So share it. So subscribe, review. If you've already done that, share the show. And I hope to have you here next time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Go out and do it.